This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the final day of MadCon 2020, the uh, only convention that is designed specifically for audio drama. Um, I am Tony, the marketing director of Faustian's Nonsense, and I am joined by some wonderful people today to talk about non-English language podcasts and um, and some of the challenges uh, that may come with creating a, a podcast in, in one or more languages um, and... I have some interesting questions for you all. So why don't we start for uh, start with David and tell us about yourself and the projects that you work on. Um, hi, I'm David. Um, I'm the creator of Those After You, which is a bilingual audio drama, uh, both in Spanish and English. It's horror, it's queer horror, and it's about a um, guy, a trans man, who basically falls in love with a god. And in 2020, um, COVID hits. Like this is, <laughs> I like integrated COVID a little bit in the story, and after a few months um, imprisoned in his childhood home, he just decided to go to London where he was to meet um, this god, and travel Europe mid pandemic in the summer of 2020, and things happened. <laughs> We we recently actually had a listen party where we listened to every single episode of season one all together because they are in these nice bite sized five to fifteen minute pieces. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's super fun. Um, it's very good, and you will not know what's happening right from the beginning. Um, we were I was actually talking about it with Kai, and um, Kai was joining us for the listen party of uh, Chain of Being, and he. Um, said that watching me trying to figure out what's going on because he knew what happened at the end um and what the show is about and watching me figure it out is um was very entertaining so it is a fantastic show available in english and spanish so um i'm glad to have you here again and kind of pick up on we talked about some of the the things that um we're going to touch on in this panel already during that and it'll be interesting to get some more perspectives on making a bilingual podcast or working in more than one language. Um, so I'd like to move over to Aline. Would you please introduce yourself and what you do? Hi, uh, I'm Aline and I'm half of uh, Audio Epics, which uh, um, is a kind of uh, our company name too. Um, I do this together with my husband and we create uh, fantasy audiobooks. Uh, we started off with um, audio drama but then um, we found that we kind of we listened to graphic audio and stuff, and we felt like the formula of having dramatized audiobooks is really what what uh, fits us most because we love narrators so much. Uh, we currently have two different settings. Um, one is Ruda, which has the witch hunter story uh, set in it. 
then the prequel, uh, The Beast of the Western Wilds, and we're currently working on um, The Treasure of Boneyard Bay, which will be released uh, this summer, uh, first on Patreon and then on YouTube and um, Bandcamp. And then we have another setting, The Infinite Woods, which has The Will of the Woods, uh, the Woods which is more like a, a story for all ages. So um, from five to six um, years on, depending on how easily <laughs> scared these kids are. <laughs> It's awesome. And I have provided links uh, for um, Audio Epic's YouTube channel and Patreon in the chat for those of you to kind of peruse and check out. And also the Dose After You Listen party for your enjoyment uh, whenever you'd like to tune into that. Um, and, and so I think that can bring us to our first questions. And it's so, David, you make it in both English and Spanish, and we've talked about this before. Um, I was really surprised because you told me that you don't necessarily always start with one language and then switch to the other. It's very uh, situational. So would you, would, could you please touch on that for me? Well, the thing is that it really depends on the episode. Um, it's also, it also kind of depends on what I'm going to write first, uh, which is usually the whole episode just from beginning to end. Uh, and I have an idea of every scene and, and everything. But some scenes are a little bit more, like they are easier to get into the mood in English, and some of them are a little bit more easier to get into the mood in Spanish, in the mood. Um, so it just depends on how I'm feeling when I sit down and write. Most of the time I start uh, in English because I have like the tone for the, uh, for the show in English is very specific and it's more easier for me to translate that to Spanish. That, that if I translate it back. But it just really depends. Like it's mostly the mood, the setting, the characters, because some characters sound a little bit better. And I, I think Erlene probably uh, like will have this experience, like some voice actors and actresses are, are slightly better in one language than the other. And it, it isn't always your mother tongue. Like it, it isn't always like some people, like I, I always, uh, actually I had just, um, uh, I talked about the podcast with a friend of a friend and they told me, oh, I might listen it in English. And I was like, yeah, please listen it in English because I hate how I act in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that, that I always say. Um, so it really depends on the characters because, for example, for, hmm, hmm, I think for people who know the show, I think only Bre starts always in Spanish because it's quite easier to, it's much easier to read it here, like him in them in Spanish and in than in English. Natura too. Uh, but then most of the characters is easier to start with English. So Okay. Um and I'd like to go back to how you write for specific actors. Um uh, because I think I think that's really interesting. Um, I, I'd like to touch on that in, a, in just a second. So, um, Aline, um, when you are working in uh, more than one language, you, you mentioned that often you do one or the other, depending on what you're doing. Uh, are there any times that you have overlap where you are doing them in both uh, Flemish and in English? Uh, well, I, I think we're kind of in a, a reverse situation because we started off uh, with the Wezens van het Wout, which was a, a Flemish audio drama. Uh, but we, we have a very different culture here. Um, in Flanders, there's not much um, need for audio drama because um, I think the state is much bigger and people are uh, a lot on the road. So um, they tend to listen 
more often to things in the car, for example. Um, here we don't have that culture. People are starting to listen to podcasts more often, but it uh, wasn't really the case uh, back then. So we kind of translated it to English to reach a bigger audience. And um, right now, uh, we, we kind of stuck to English. And we kind of we, we have like two people who keep telling us we should translate everything to uh, to Dutch or to Flemish. But we, we noticed that there's just a very tiny audience uh, right here, especially for fantasy. We have a, a very different culture from the States. Uh, so not, not many people are interested in fantasy. If there are uh, audio books and audio dramas in, in Flanders, it's, it's more like the um, existing content, like the existing fairy tales. There's a very big, uh, we're very big on fairy tales, so it, it should be Little Red Riding Hood and, and stuff. But original content, there's just no interest in that. So usually we pick one or the other uh, language and we don't translate anymore. The first time um, we did notice a couple of uh, problems. For example, one of the characters was named Newsweek, and that was kind of inspired by the, the English word Newsweek. So, yeah, that was kind of an issue. Should we keep that name or not? But uh, we kept it, and nobody actually noticed. Uh, the other way around, we think a lot of um, character names and uh, place names, they just sound a lot better in, in English than in Flemish. So it just it gets the fantasy vibe and the immersion uh, better, I think, than in our native uh, tongue. Oh, very interesting. Uh, I actually have a question then, uh, going back to um, the, you, you, you opened up to an English audience uh, because you wanted to reach more people. Uh, for you, David, what was the reason that you didn't just record it in in Spanish? Uh, it's quite similar to to Lynn, actually. Like um, to Lynn, um, there's not much. I like in Spanish here at least in Spain because there's also a big difference in in market and what people are listening to in Spain than in Latin America, like in another countries where they speak Spanish. And here in Spain, we listen to podcast but it's mostly talk shows and comedy and that that's what's big here in, in Spain we are more like radio programs like that kind of idea that now is translating to podcasts or I don't know like um, I know the uh, like the North American equivalent but it's like kind of Joe Rogan but well we have some people like that in Spain but <laughs> that, that, not that that profile, but that kind of thing, you know, like right. this guy who I don't know, blows up. Your traditional uh, so talk show. Drama, yeah, so audio drama is really not that common here. Like it, well, it was for a. I mean, historically, it has been because my my grandma has listened to uh, to audiobooks on the radio when when she was as little, like after the Civil War. Like, there was a thing that happened. Um, so there are records, there are things, but it's not something that people listen to right now. So when I started, I was just like, on, on one side, I was just like, I'm tired of everything being in English. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it's like, um, way too imperialistic. And I know I'm, I, I'm European and white, but I still have some proud as Spanish person. So I was just like, I want to create also something in, in Spanish. I am also very lucky because Spanish is a very widely uh, spoken language, so it's not probably the problem that you have with Flemish or with Dutch. Um, 
And so on one hand, I was just like, okay, I want this to be in Spanish because I haven't seen this content in Spanish and I want it. Mm -hmm. So if there's none, create it. And then in English, it was also because I have Dutch friends uh, that I wanted, I wanted them to listen to the podcast. And I was like, okay, what's the, the nexus with me and my friends? English, because we speak in English. And also because most of the shows, well, all of the shows that I, that I like and that I enjoyed and that I also inspired myself uh, um, for those were English. So it was like, I know there's people who probably would like to, to hear about that. And I don't know, like have this strange queer trans mask romance with gods. So, so I thought also, yeah, a lot of people will listen it in English and most people listen it in English. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, for one, am very uh, grateful that you decided to make it in both because it lets me enjoy the show with you. And obviously, I'd obviously be a little bit lost if I had to listen to it only in Spanish. But it is very awesome that you, you set out to – you saw that there's there's no audio dramas in Spanish. So there are very few, and I want to be at the forefront of changing that. And um, you might be one of the only bilingual Spanish to English audio dramas out there. Um, you know, maybe there have been more at this point. The the genre is blowing up, and um, that's something we've been talking about is this explosion of creativity during the pandemic has led a lot, to a lot of people creating their own um, shows. So um, it'd be cool if that, like you, that just after you can be known as one of the first like bilingual English and Spanish uh, audio dramas out there. Uh, that's uh, really awesome. Thank you all so much for um, the insight on that. Um, when it comes... Are, go yeah, ahead. We just want to add, like, there are good audio dramas in Spanish being made right now. There's one super interesting being made in Malaga, uh, which is called The Desbanda, which I think they have almost like over 20 voice actors so wow. far only in, in Spanish. And it's about a historic event that happened during Civil War. Uh, in Malaga, in which like a lot of people were killed, uh, like it's something that here in Spain we don't talk about, and they're making an audio drama out of it. And I will just love it to have it translated at some point in English, just so people outside can can also listen to it. Awesome. Uh, so I, I think uh, um, a related question to that is um, if. The, we have this explosion of creativity. We have more and more people listening to audio dramas, I think, naturally. And, and we're always trying to suck our friends into, like, look at this awesome world that we found. You know, I didn't know about audio dramas until I met Amy and Jackie. I've said that several times over this um, over this convention, so I won't uh, repeat myself. But um, as more people come into the genre um, and start listening to audio dramas, uh, would you consider doing more podcasts in your native language and i want to bring that over to aline if more um if there was a bigger dutch or flemish audience would you consider making more content in those languages um i'm not sure uh, we've talked about that um but we kind of feel good right now um we we have established a, a world uh, and um i, I think English is just uh, just suits the world uh, more than than Flemish. Also, uh, I grew up in Flanders. Um, I don't think while I'm alive that there will be such a huge uh, switch that people will all uh, turn to to fantasy because there's still um, this mentality where people look down on fantasy, like uh, it's it's not interesting because you know 
it's just uh, your imagination. It's not real. And um, if you look at the the movies in Flanders, it's all about um, children dying from cancer and um, women being beaten up by their husbands. Um, oh, all kinds sounds of dark. Horrible, <laughs> horrible day-to-day uh, -day situations. Um, it's starting to change a little bit, but I think we're, we will always be very, um, yeah, mundane and. You, you can tell. A... <laughs> I mean, you can tell stories like that. I mean, fantasy doesn't stray away from really dark tones either. Um, no, look, looking at like Ga Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's obviously some really fucked up things yeah. that happen in in that. Um, but that's very interesting. That culturally, it's just not very accepting of. Not that. very interesting. No, and and we kind of uh, we're inspired by Tolkien a lot and. Um, we really love the, the the hardcore fantasy where you build your own world and you have your own languages and mm -hmm. there's just just a very small core uh, of people here interested in it. But they all speak English very fluently, so. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> well, that's really really kind of fascinating. How how about you, David? Would you be really excited if there was more opportunity for uh, Spanish audio fiction? Oh yeah. I, I want to create more like my main problem is that I have a day job that is like 40 like full-time day job um, but if I could have more time and if I wasn't studying also masters uh, once I'm done with that if I have a, like a stable job situation I will probably create a lot because I mean all my all of my cast are friends here in, in Madrid uh, so I have quite a cast of queer people who are voice acting um, so there's a possibility there and there's a lot of people here in Spain who have an interest like there's a lot of fandom for a lot of shows in English in in, in Spain I, I actually met a lot of them because we also have this joke around that the like people started listening to the Magnus archives just because of one person here in, in Spain because everyone can connect and start listening to the Magnus archives to this person so so it was so much that we had like a group cosplay in madrid before the pandemic like february and it was like about we were 15 people that's awesome um yeah so and that's like enough people to but we had a discord we we had also a, fa a fan scene so there's people listening to to audio dramas in spain um and there's people who also want to listen to some stuff in in spanish if if they can and in latin america like in south america uh well latin american like i have a lot of listeners also from mexico uh ecuador argentina and it's really cool because you and they're 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 also doing more stuff there uh, that is also audio drama like um and it's a little bit more big there uh, here in spain so far it's pretty basic like I know what it's there <laughs> and I'm sorry it's pretty basic um it's not the level of other things I'm not gonna say mine but of other things that I've listened it's not not as close um so I think there's I'm gonna keep doing it in Spanish uh, but also I have it more easier than Dutch and, and Flemish because it's a w more widely speaking uh, language anyways yeah, that's something I was then, uh, just now thinking of is maybe um, maybe it's slower to adapt to certain languages and things like that, just in terms of just quantity of people that it's um, available to, right? You know, we think of the most spoken languages in the world, and we have uh, Chinese, um, we have uh, Japanese, English, uh, Spanish, French, um, 
and you know those are the kind of they're like like the the big five or six main languages may just be more it may just be inherently easier to generate audience just because you simply have a larger pool of people that could possibly listen to your podcast um and i think it might deter some smaller uh nations from a kind of you know building these uh unique audio fiction uh stories um you know it'd be awesome if like a a story in um in i have family in macedonia so let's say it's specifically in macedonia it'd be awesome that a podcast there got so popular that then it was requested so highly to be translated to english and that kind of way but you know the likelihood of something like that happening maybe maybe not you know we often get these um in, in the movie industry we often get movies that are so very very popular in uh, various uh, European languages or in Spanish um, that are translated um, to an English uh, um, audience or to other languages. Um, it would be cool if the podcasting space had that level of spotlight where these shows can become popular and then translated. Um, it would be cool to be like, oh, this is a Russian audio drama that was translated to English. So you get to kind of hear the the voice of the writer's and these other languages that you wouldn't have access to before. Uh, Benani has a question to David. When you do scripting in Spanish, do you uh, consider non-European dialects and how easy your dialect is to parse for non-European Spanish speakers? Like uh, the dialect in Spanish or the, the accent mostly? Um, I, I imagine like... Um, uh, the the actual dialect itself so the differences between i know even in spain there are some different dialects um and then compared to um uh, caribbean island uh spanish to central american to latin uh, south american obviously it's it's very different does any of that come yeah. into consideration it kind of comes it, it actually kind of comes uh it comes mostly with the voice actor the voice actors that i have um i'm from madrid uh, which is funny because we're the capital and we, like Madrileños, we usually say we don't have an accent and we lie because we obviously have. Um, and for example, Deck, the main character, is super, it's half Dutch, half Spanish. And that's why he, like, that's why, that's how I introduce also the fact that he speaks in Spanish and is basically also like his mother tongue. Um, but for example, one of the characters, Bre, uh, the voice actor, Matt, uh, my friend Matt, he's half Mexican, half um, half Spanish. And there are a few things there when we record and even when I write, I try to write the character in a way that doesn't sound from Spain much. It, it also suits the character because you know you know them. Um, it's very chaotic. Uh, so it it's a mix of everything. But mostly it's like I have an actor who's from, I don't know, um, another area of Spain, of, of Albacete. And I'm just like, if you want to do like do the character with your accent, it isn't a problem. And if it can add, uh, because, for example, Tess is played by Jade and Jade is uh, Galician, uh, is Gallega. And I really love that accent. And one thing that I, maybe for the next season, I don't think so, but for another audio dramas, I would really love to have like small episodes of things where I can have like people speaking Catalan and which is a language that I adore uh, or speaking Gal uh, Gallego, speaking Galician or speaking Euskera, which would be also pretty interesting or just accents because obviously there's a lot of accents and what I can get here in Spain, like I would like to also show at some point some other accents from like Spain. 
uneven outside, some Hispanic, because I would probably end up uh, having uh, sooner or later also actors who live in Spain, but maybe are Colombian or Equatorian or Argentinian or Venezuelan, because there's a lot of Latin people uh, here in Spain. So that's gonna, like, I will never, and, and even if the character asks for a certain accent, which doesn't have to, you know, it's like, this is fantasy, like whatever, you know, I would never tell someone, no, do like a Madrid accent, like, because here in Spain, if we just say neutral accent, sucks. It's usually Madrid accent and it's like, it's not neutral and it's really classist. And I will never do that. It's like, if you're from Cadiz, uh, like as long as you don't speak really fast, because accents can hinder a little bit, like if you're not used to them, um, like for example, with uh, with the Green Horizon, sometimes I'm just like, oh okay, this is what they said, <laughs> you know. But I really like it. But you need a moment. It's like as long as you're not fast, speak with your accent. Like I really love that, and I think we have to show that a little bit more. There's a. Uh, it, it's funny you talk to Kai or anyone else that lives in like England, and you know, there's <clears throat> you go 20 minutes in any direction, you'll get a new accent. Um, you know, we, we we think of these, we think of accents of being like really blanketed, but an English accent can mean so much to, from town to town to town. Same with Ireland. Um, uh, you talk to Paul and talk to how people from Cork talk, which is literally right next door to Waterford where, where Paul is, um, and how they talk and carry themselves versus people from Waterford. And it's very, very, it is very interesting to think that, and even in this United States, you know, we have, we're geographically very large. So we have um, Northerners that pick up some kind of like more Canadian style uh, speaking, how people, people speak in various parts of California. Um, it does get very, um, uh, nuance to like the type of voices you can go for. Do you want your character to have a southern draw and things like that? So there, there's some overlap to like English language podcasts and that you can kind of um, Californian accents are a plague. Yeah, <laughs> they can be rough. Uh, I'm down in Florida, and so Florida is such a weird pool of so many different kind of people. We have old people we have very young people we have the more north it's said that the more north you go in florida the more southern it becomes in terms of like southern culture uh because a lot of central florida is very um urban it's a lot of cities orlando tampa daytona the big touristy areas um miami as well and also miami you have a very large um um uh, a lot of times, a, a lot of uh, Cuban and Puerto Rican and uh, Dominican, a lot of um, uh, Caribbean Islander uh, residents are there. So it's it, Florida itself has so many languages. And I, I don't know that's something that is considered that much in English languages. Um, but maybe some creators can tell me uh, otherwise. Um, I think we think of like the big sections of the U.S. when considering our characters. Um, like when we made Cole Castillo in Supersuits, it wasn't a, we didn't plan for Cole to be a, a Long Island lawyer, um, but it just so happened that Aaron Lundquist, um, who voices her, is from Long Island, and that's just her natural voice, and so it really identified the character. So tone of voice can definitely really define a, how a character is is perceived and it would be more interesting to hear um that notion brought into foreign language podcasts as well and um 
and so I, I don't know a lot about Dutch and, and, and Flemish. Um, are there even more dialects or accents associated with those? Yeah, um, even in Flanders, uh, I think it's 10 minutes, a 10 minute drive and you have another accent. So <laughs> it's, um, but the, 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 the surprising thing was that when we did um, the Wezens van het Wout in, in uh, Flemish, it was uh, most popular in the Netherlands uh, oh. because they thought our accent was cute, they said. So there were libraries really buying our CDs. Yeah, we, we, we printed them on CDs back then still. <laughs> Uh, we're that old um, <laughs> and uh, yeah they, they loved it we did a lot of accents in, in that audio drama and uh, we were uh, yeah a bit of uh, fearing that it wouldn't catch on in the Netherlands because the, the accent is different and then <laughs> when you get to the sub accents it's gonna be uh, hard to understand but as apparently it wasn't so that was a pretty cool experience that is awesome. Cool. Uh, learning a lot so far. Let's see. What other questions? I, I, I'd like to know any, like, um, for for you, David, you and I have talked about how some things don't translate as uh, cleanly as maybe you want, right? Like, you know, the, uh, you, you can do an alliteration in English, uh, Peter Piper, Pick the Pickle Peppers. That doesn't mean it's going to translate to Spanish in the same way. So, um what kind of complications have you faced when writing in both languages for figures of speech, rhymes, and things like that? Um, I always say, kind of jokingly, but it's true. I write quite pedantically. Like, um, like I always say that my prose is a little bit... Uh, I've watched Hannibal a lot of times, you know, so that's my basic problem. <laughs> and reading a lot of Andrise and its shows and those kind of books um, and shows. So it has a clearly distinct voice, the, the show in, in English. And then in Spanish, I had this problem of Deck, the main character. Uh, when I translated, like, I was just like, I used to leave it all on Google Dog. And so I have, for example, the whole episode in English now. I just like copy it and start uh, translating in Spanish and deleting the sections and everything. Um, um, it's also I probably if you do something similarly, um, it's it's something that I that I really enjoy because I have to look at the text for a second time that it's not just reading. I'm translating, so I do a lot of changes. Um, Sometimes it's just like, mm, actually, this sounds a little bit better in Spanish. And I write it in Spanish and then said, OK, but now I have to change it in English. And it's like, oh, this is a change that I really like. Um, but for example, Dex sounds more punk-ish. Uh, and you can, there's this thing with Spanish. We have so many swear words and insults. And we're like really colorful with this. It's something that I really love a lot about my language. Like I enjoy it so much and it's something that I'm sorry but you don't have this ability in English there's there's no room so the problem is that when I translate English to Spanish that kind of comes off a little bit more punk uh, maybe but a bit more bad mouthed even when I want to yeah there's so many nuances to fuck like, uh, <laughs> like yeah like I, the, like those 
it has some kind of explicit over 18 uh, episodes, just a few, but well, just a few, just one, <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, and I knew from the beginning, like, I'm Spanish. I cannot not say fuck in English because I don't have many more words. Like, <laughs> I could be more colorful in, in, in Spanish, but not in English. Um, so that's that problem that I had, uh, mostly. Um, also, some things translated. Sometimes um, some sentences will sound good in, in Spanish, and when I translate it to English, they are a little bit more difficult to, to say. Because also, like, phonetics in Spanish are super easy. Like, what you read is what you write. And sometimes when I'm writing in English, I'm not exactly, uh, like, listening it in, 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 my, in, like, in my mind. So sometimes I give the, the script to my, to my voice actors, and they're just like, you know, this is pretty difficult to, to speak. And there has been some changes, uh, like, while recording on the, on the script, like, Okay, this is really difficult. Uh, you know, like a lot of R's, something like that. Like, for example, Matt has a really, really weird accent. I love him, but he has a really weird accent because um, uh, the English he knows is kind of Scottish because he has family there. So it's kind of the accent that he has from where he speaks with uh, his family. And so some things I was like, we had to sit down and say, okay, you can say this, whatever you want, like whichever where you want to go because people will understand you but this I need you to to say it in a I don't know American British I don't know way but do not do this accent because you no know, I won't understand you and I need something a little bit more turn it down a little bit that's, that's oh because that's actually something when I when I mentioned I wanted to go back to how you write um and that that was actually the specific kind of example I was looking for do you cater the what you write for your voice actors to how they speak English or Spanish. Um, and that's, uh, you kind of already answered that before I got to ask it. Are there other examples of that for you where um, you have to alter it in English to fit your VAs well? Uh, yeah, like mostly what I had to fit is, is English most of the time. And there are things that even if I translate them, doesn't have the same weight. For example, um, it's, out of context, it's not. It's not a, a spoiler, but a clever boy. <laughs> I'm very sorry, but this that has a very specific energy that in English you can say it, and in Spanish you can say it too. But it's different. Mm -hmm. it sounds it sounds similar, but it's not the same. And I talked with the voice actor who has to say that a lot of times about that because it's pretty specific. And I'm always like. In English, this has to be like this, because I'm sorry, this is in my mind. In Spanish, it's going to sound a little bit different on the same vibe, but but it, I cannot translate it. I'm really sad. <laughs> as as a reminder, who does Matt voice in Dosa for you? Bre. Ah, okay, yes. Yeah, uh, that's, that's why I like so it's good, good because his accent is all over the way, uh, so it's pretty funny in English because it suits the character, who's a very chaotic character. And then in Spanish, um, something that I did without noticing that he told me is that uh, when, when I show him the script and he read uh, the lines of Bre, he told me, you know, this doesn't sound very Spanish, Spain-like, do you? I'm just like, really? It's like, yeah, you're using actually a lot of things that sound a little Latin American, like a little Mexican, a little this, a little that. And I didn't notice, like, uh, and, and I was really glad that I was doing that in, unconsciously. 
because it also gives that vibe uh, like in the character and he also added the fact that he obviously can do a Mexican accent so he threw a few things there that that can match the energy that it has in English. Oh, very interesting. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so uh, kind of a similar question for Elaine. Is there a specific, whether it's accent, though, it, it is the English that you use closer to uh, uh, British English? Is there, is it close to American English or something kind of um, more um, aligned to the English that you speak um, where you're from? Um, at university, we could... Uh pick uh, one or the other, so American or British English, and both my husband and I did uh, British English. But of course, our accents are still, you know, we're not native speakers, and you will always hear. But um, the great thing about fantasy is that you can be inspired by certain accents, but it doesn't have to be an existing one. As long as the, the character is uh, engaging, you, you feel immersed, and it's it's um, it's consistent i think that's uh, most important then it's it's fine uh, i guess but yeah um and if you translate that like uh like you said it's always transcreation it's never just translation with an audio drama it it's always uh, you always have to reckon with the the new language it's not like uh, translating a, a simple um commercial text it's very different so uh, there's only so many nuances to fuck yeah absolutely fuck is very flexible but you gotta get colorful sometimes i like how we're having a whole side conversation about the various ways you can use fuck um similar question okay so uh, kind of related to what i asked david when you go to write in english um I asked David this and is like, do you think in one language and then have to translate actively or can you actively think in English and just translate that to a page secondhand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we actually, we think in English and we write in English and then uh, when we, or if, if we uh, decide to translate, we actually have to um, switch back to uh, native tongue mode again and switch the button start over again basically. so in that case you'll kind of more think and process information kind of in your in in flemish yeah. interesting yeah, and, and also uh, reckon with the target audience always because like i said there, there's a different culture there's a different approach uh to to people and and within one language you have uh like in spanish uh, very similar you have different culture like the Dutch and the Flemish are completely different. So it's all things to, um, you have to reckon with. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, I had a lot of friends who were from Puerto Rico. We have a very large Puerto Rican population in Florida because it's, it is the first landmark um, in the States. Um, so I've, I had a ton of friends growing up that, and I'd always ask them, like, you know, do you primarily um, think in Spanish, English, and some people are like, I can think in one or another, depending on the situation. Others where I think in Spanish and have to translate in my head to how I'm going to say it in English. And, and even those who are very fluent in English, um, some of them still had that translation process. It just kind of shows you how amazing the brain and how different the brain is from person to person. Um, Rebecca, if you're there, um, I think it'd be really interesting um, to hear from you. Um, Rebecca is from Sweden, 
And I'm very curious to what your kind of thoughts on this. Do you, when you're writing for uh, Be Not Afraid, do you consider things in Swedish and then have to translate them to English? Do you, um, or is it just very natural where you can just let it flow on paper to English? Um, um, since I write it together with my partner, uh, we discuss the plot in Swedish, but while we are taking notes, during these conversations, the notes are often mixed in both English and Swedish, like when I read it the day after and transcribe it. Uh, so like, yeah, we communicate with each other in Swedish, but then the entire writing process, that's in English. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't think we consider many Swedish things. There, There's like one single pun uh, that's in Swedish, <laughs> but that's just to make up a name. <laughs> right. That's it. Oh, cool. Well, that's very interesting. Do you um, do you have any? Have you ever considered uh, turning, uh, creating a Swedish version of "Be Not Afraid" or doing works in um, more of your uh, of of the Swedish language? Uh, uh, I've been asked several times by friends and family, like, "Why do you do this in English? Why?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think it. I like English better as a literary language and I read a lot of most of my books are in English so I don't know I just don't think uh, Swedish is uh, cool enough language <laughs> I mean it sounds like a kid's show at the end of the day in my shirt little this isn't an epic story about angels and demons <laughs> it wouldn't work it wouldn't be the same that's really fascinating because I, I find Swedish to be like a, a pretty interesting language. Obviously, I, I've only studied a very little bit of it when I was thinking about visiting you for all for uh, midsummer. But I, ah, that is that's interesting. So is is it generational in Sweden, um, the accessibility of English? Is it more that the older generation speaks Swedish and the younger generation has adopted English more? How does how is that in uh, Sweden? Uh, definitely, like uh, the ability to speak and understand English, that's like creeping lower the ages. Like when uh, when me and Tommy were in school, we didn't learn English until like we were nine or ten, I think. And now kindergartners are be beginning English. Okay. So it's like uh, kind of have to know English to get around and it's infiltrating everyday language phrases and stuff um finish is even more like they have a lot more english loan words than we do oh awesome that's Voice in background <laughs> <laughs> i'm loving the hair by the way did that happen really recently oh it's always been like i, I usually keep it down but now it's hot so oh yeah oh <laughs> so how, how is it by you i know europe's getting hit uh, mainland europe and and the uk are getting hit pretty hard by this heat wave how are you all there Oh, me? So, yeah, sorry. Uh, in Sweden, how is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty tolerable now. It's, I think, 25 degrees Celsius now. Oh, that sounds pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> There's 77 Fahrenheit. Oh, oh, that is so nice. I haven't felt 77 <laughs> in quite a bit here in, in, in Florida. And I know David's burning right now at, at 40. <laughs> 40 celsius yeah. yeah i know uk is having the worst heat wave 
mm-hmm. history right now. Oh, God, it's terrible. I was, oh. uh, well, that's really cool. Um, so so even even though you've been asked, um, there there hasn't been much consideration for you from you to make things in um, in Swedish. Swedish. Um, when you are creating works in English, is there a particular dialect of English that you go for? Uh, how how similar is Swedish English to let's say England or the the states? And obviously. There's different dialects uh, well, and accents. But. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, we definitely influenced English at some point because Kai noticed this when he visited. Like, so many words I recognize here when you're talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just uh, pronounced a bit differently. Uh, but um, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes when I write characters, I hear different accents on them. Yeah, absolutely. There was been some character with like a bostonian accent and one with british accent like sometimes characters just sound that way in our heads for some reason and then we want the voice actors to sound that way too (laughs) (laughs) uh so when you first started be not afraid it was just you and you actually had some talk recently about thinking about do I want to remaster the earlier episodes to add a bigger voice cast things like that as you've added more people um uh, what do you often look for to fit uh, a character? Uh, well, when we first started to get in more voice actors, we dreamed of having like several different accents uh, so that it's not like dominated by American accents, but like there's not much to choose from, so that's what we got anyway. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, like just a lot of variations. Like we don't want to say that all these heavenly creatures have this or this accent. Like a variation of like ages and gender and accents on the voice actors, just to sort of illustrate the wide variety of characters. I think it'd be really funny if every single angel spoke with the Texas accent. Just saying, that would be very. That'd be a very interesting <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, actually, I, I tried to do a bit of different accents. We have a first pilot that we took down because it was so bad. And I did a Texas accent on one of the angels that it was so... No, it didn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a couple of different accents. Um, we have... Uh, Renes is here. Sabine. Yeah, Sabine's yeah. here. Yeah. One of uh, our angels. <laughs> oh, so Sabine's in your cast? Yeah. I don't think <laughs> I knew that. That's awesome. So how big has that cast in- increased from... Uh, like how, many, how many for the finale have been cast? Oh, damn. That was like 15 new people, I think. Wow. Around. Uh, and, like and where in um, Be Not Afraid did you start casting um, additional people outside of yourself? It's by episode six. That's okay. when we took in like four actors. We got Noah and an angel of death. 
the two additional people that didn't have a role yet, but we liked them so much, we kept them on. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're keeping you for later. You're not appearing for like another year, but do you want to stay in the server and hang out? <laughs> Uh, it, it's really funny because we had like we had entire characters like entire VAs and super suits that we love so much that we wanted to keep them. Um, obviously, super suits is a is an English um, podcast, but we do have a lot of moments that we have um, some kind of international influences, right? So we have we have a moment where we have uh, Paul who is going to be playing uh, an Irish character in Captain Cowboy who appears to be an American character, but is actually voiced by um, Kieran Walsh, who plays Gina Whelan in, in The Green Horizon. And they literally argue in Gaelic. And uh, and that's really fun. And it's about how they, I can still speak Gaelic better than you. No, I can. And then they're just yelling what is actually apparently just nonsense at each other um, in that. So... Yeah, but it's a niche, funny joke for a select few people on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And I, I wonder, um, I haven't taken a good look at the scripts, um, but I wonder if we were able to kind of pull on m other languages in in Super Suits. Um, was there ever any like Swedish influence that we uh, pulled from you? Were you ever like involved in creating something uniquely like national in that? Oh no! It was just that Jackie told me like, oh, "You're you're a bit self-conscious about your accent. Here's where you can put it to good use." <laughs> <laughs> I will say I cannot picture a better voice for uh, Lois. Um, Lois is our sassy AI uh, in the office of uh, uh, the of uh, the quadruple S law firm Schmidt Schmidt Smythe and Smitty, uh, and you are really fantastic, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ah, oh, this has been a really, really. It's so good, and there was a moment in rehearsals that you like glitched out, and we thought that that was like an effect you put, and it was just you. Uh, it was amazing, uh, Sabine. I think you were there for that too. I was. Everyone was just in enthralled in that performance because uh, Lois got hacked by one of the sidekicks and was saying a bunch oh, yeah, of... Yeah, it was like the middle of the sentence. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then you were speaking a bunch of like Zoomer garbage, like language shit, yeah. that like internet speak that made no sense. I can't wait to hear that episode. I know, me too. Yeah, yeah, Badani, you you were there for that too. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, I, I want to kind of leave it open for you all to talk about anything um, related to creating your shows um that maybe we haven't talked about yet um what have you learned Reading languages maybe like if i've been imagining like doing a mystery podcast where the audience is supposed to solve history and then like um making use of people's different origins maybe have a riddle in one language and then people on the internet can help each other out to solve Oh, or something. I like that. No, that would be cool. I, I wonder if there's something we can do with FN show offs to kind of have, uh, because it's a kind of, I think, a really nice space to be able to do something kind of uh, uh, that takes a lot of the, the talent and the different nationalities that we have um, through the FN family and put it to use somewhere. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting that in ideas um, right now in the FN. Do that. <laughs> Um, Multi-language riddle, three things. 
Like, I think okay. that spontaneously happens as well. If if you create something, then your your native tongue and your origins and the, the shows you watch as a child, they all just flow in there as an influence. I think David can relate as well. So uh, yeah, should be should be interesting uh, experiment. I yeah, think definitely. in the network well, alone, I... we have so many backgrounds. Uh, go on, David. No, that one thing that, for example, I really love of a uh, few TV shows that are uh, coming out lately. Um, like, um, well, I don't want to talk about last season, but uh, Killing Eve, one thing that I really love about that show um, is that they have a lot of people uh, talking in different languages, uh, oh. mostly uh, the main character. Uh, but I, uh, I really love uh, that's something that I think we have in this advantage with uh, TV or with image and audio with video that you can do that in, in a TV show or in a movie because you can subtitle it if it's becoming more, more, more common you know like I can as long as I have subtitles um, you can listen to any kind of language but in audio it would be like quite cool to do that it's something that I would really like I think there will be ways around that like you know, like people, um, well, people, we sometimes don't, I think people who don't speak a second language mostly, mostly, um, and I'm not looking at Americans or uh, British people badly, but usually, you know, people who native tongue is, is English usually don't, don't, don't learn a second one. But when you learn another language, you um, become more, um, used to the fact that you're not going to get all the message and you don't need to understand 100% of what's happening, what's going on, to know what's going on. Um, you understand from the context. Exactly, exactly. So I think it would be like really cool to use a little bit of that in audio dramas. Like, obviously, there's a limit to what you can do uh, without having people to look at the, at the um, a script or at the... Um, um, I don't know, I forgot the word right now, but you know, like when everything is written down, so you can just follow it. Um, well, the transcript. Oh, yeah, transcript, yeah. Yeah, the transcript, yeah. Um, but I think, like, for example, the, the fighting Gaelic or things like that, or there's, there was like this joke a long time ago in Tumblr, <laughs> like a really long time ago, 10 years ago, that, you know, like when people who don't speak uh, more than one language write bilingual characters, you know, and you have like people mixing. And everyone kind of thought that was like, that's not how bilingual people or trilingual people speak. I spell it out yeah, yes, that's how we, that's how we actually talk. And when you speak more than a language and you're used to, like, uh, like what, what you were saying, Rebecca, like, we have notes in Swedish and we have notes in, in English, like all the notebooks and all the things that I have written down in, do, like, for those, it's a mix. It's Spanglish. Like, there are some things that are in Spanglish. <laughs> Like I will start just writing things about one scene in English and mid-sentence without me noticing. I would start, like if one word comes in Spanish easier than in English, I will start in Spanish. Like I will keep going in Spanish. And then it's just like, oh, so I did half in one language. Yeah, let's switch back. <laughs> and, and I think that's something that could be done for radio dramas that would be like really fun and also can sometimes interest people in learning other languages like tony i know you speak about japanese now and then um and I'm a, I'm very a, rudimentary yeah, yeah like i understand a lot of japanese just because i've been watching anime since i was eight 
So, and, and that's also cool because, I don't know, like people could be also interested in Dutch, uh, could be interested in, in Swedish. And there's a lot of people, one thing that I also like about those is like when people want to practice a language, it's cool to have resources. Because if you want to learn Spanish, you want to learn English, you want to learn German, French, you can just It's a great that. learning tool to have the same medium in two languages, definitely. Mm -hmm. like, like, like I learned like to be a bilingual in English with uh, Harry Potter, sadly, but also um, like reading and, and well, I watch Friends entirely just in English and then I watch Friends again in German when I wanted to study German. So it's really cool. I don't know, like, for example, someone wants to learn uh, Swedish, just go to like, oh, there's an audio drama. And it has, obviously, you need like a high level or a medium level at least, but I think it would be like really cool, you know, like, oh, I have like this. And I also have it in English. So if I don't understand anything, mm -hmm. I can just listen to the episode in the other, in the other Exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, for example, how we uh, brushed up our, our German by watching an entire uh, series. In, in German, uh, that's how our kids learn English. We have uh, two uh, toddlers, uh, three and five, and they watch PJ Masks, uh, then in Dutch, and then in uh, in English, and they they pick up stuff. They it's it's good for deriving uh, context, like uh, like Rebecca said, yeah. And and they have the advantage too. I know there's like kind of a golden age of like when it's um, the most advantageous for a child to learn another language because they're, they can pick up, um, they can pick it up a lot easier. And I don't remember what ages it is, but it's, it's, I think yes. from I like, read a lot about that. it's like from toddler to like, it's like from three to nine is this like, or three to eight. It's a pretty tight yeah. window of when they just soak it up. Um, and that's why I know it was basically before um, puberty starts. So before they really start, uh, Mm -hmm. and i feel like i can never just soak in the language like i've you know i did um i've started rosetta stone japanese like half a dozen times and i'll make it through a uh, quarter of the way through and then because i'm not using it every day um i'll forget same with swedish i can remember like uh Poikin Springer, like that's like the one fucking. It's like the boys running. That's like the one thing I could remember from Swedish. Um, <laughs> what what is apple in Swedish? Apple. Apple. Yeah. Oh god, that's yeah, that's easy. There you go. Like there's some there's some words that are so close in English and Swedish, and that's about all I can remember. And I did it about like, I mean, it was maybe only a week, but it was like thirty minutes a day, and I can remember. A, a, a percentage of it. As soon as you start, you lose it. Everything. Mm -hmm. I've studied so many languages, and it's just gone now. I, I think uh, this is my my caucasity English coming out is that I'm not in, in, in engrossed in a lot of other languages. Um, you know, you all are from countries, and then um, that have their native languages and have learned English at a younger age, and often we are communicating right now in English, and so I'm very privileged that I get to communicate with you, because um, you've all learned a whole other language to be able to communicate with a whole bunch of people on the internet. But also, our culture is infested with so much English-based communication, so we can't escape it. Like, we can't watch TV and not hear English. Right. 
I can remain ignorant to entire languages my whole life. I can go my whole life without ever hearing what... Um, exactly, yeah. That's uh, a frustration, too, that we get uh, in Belgium from, um, from people visiting from America and UK. They say, uh, we cannot actually learn your language because you all, you all desperately want to speak it. You all desperately want to speak <laughs> English. Stop doing that. <laughs> They're kind of frustrated about it. So. And understandable, like... I, I, I really wanted to learn as much Swedish as I could so that I could try to complement the culture and, 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 and be engrossed in the, the festivities of midsummer and do my part as a good tourist to, you know, um, assimilate into that as much as I could uh, and as respectfully. All the good swear words. Yeah, all the good. I really missed out on learning all the good swear words. Did you teach Kai? Because Kai, Kai went and visited uh, Rebecca. <laughs> if you didn't know, David, our, our podcast child, it was engrossed in the uh, the wonder that is Midsummer, <laughs> and we were going to go together, but um, tickets were like it would have been twelve hundred dollars round trip, and I just I couldn't swing it. It was like less than a yeah, hundred for him. Financial ruin for Midsummer. It's not worth it. Oh, but it would have been worth it. <laughs> Um, so I definitely want to thank you all for um, for being here and talking to me about this and, and educating me on a, a lot of these topics that I'm very ignorant on as as a boy born and raised in the middle of Florida. Um, it's been very, very uh, exciting. Um, are there any it's other... It's an untapped resource to use in audio drama, I think. Uh, and and we're talking about ways ways to push the limits of it on the first day, and how do we go further than just audio only? Um, are there any ways that we could um, push the genre with an audio only format? And I, I I've been thinking about like, well, what if there are companion apps to this? Like, what if there was a um, or something on. Um, yeah so so what's really really cool is on captivate if you actually use the captivate player for your podcast and you have a transcript with time, uh, transcript with the time codes you can actually follow along with their time codes but no other major pla podcast platform has implemented something like that um, I would love for us to be able to put in more non-English stuff in our podcast, especially if it's the accessibility of being able to see what is it they just said in Spanish, English, Hungarian, whatever language we um, put in. I like how I just said English in the English podcast. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it would be cool. Like when when Paul and um, Kieran are going to be yelling at each other in Gaelic, I would love to know what random nouns they're just throwing out at each other, trying to prove that they still know Gaelic. Um and I think that would be really awesome. And so I wonder if there is a way that we can make the accessibility um, a little better for, for that reason and embrace other languages more in podcasts. Um, I feel like that's up to the audio platforms. Are you saying money and capitalism and, and costs are going to get in the way of progress in certain yeah. things? That's crazy. <laughs> I've never Cannot heard that kind of... It. <laughs> <laughs> that line, I actually have a person for Rebecca from Berlin. Like, I don't know like if this is happening in Belgium or in, in, in Sweden, but uh, here in Spain, at least for like young creators and writers mostly, and um, more, uh, a lot of people in my... Like I don't know who 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 write and mostly young adults or things like that. There there is being like a rejection, like 
of um, mostly American content. Like it, it, like here in Spain, at least, there's a lot of young people who are just like, uh, like we are just like fed up with, with, like there has been this point where you create things in Spanish and you set them in New York and in California and San Diego, or it's in London or it's in Brighton, you know? Um, so there's also like this wave of people saying, no, I'm gonna like base this in Albacete, in Madrid, you know, I mean, in, in, I'm not even gonna say Cádiz, it's just like Jerez de la Frontera, you don't, like, if you're not from here, you really don't know what that is, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it's also like a really cool reaction to uh, the the imperialism that obviously the United States has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, like now we were talking about capitalism. So I think it's like, I want to ask like, if that's happening, because I cannot say that, like one of the reasons I did it in, in Spanish, it was like, I do not want this only to be in English. I refuse, <laughs> just like, <laughs> so I point that I actually refuse to just yeah. do it this English. Fair. I know what you mean, yeah. I guess doing it only in English, we kind of compensate for that by creating our own world, which is kind of, Warhammer-like, uh, if you will. Cool. So there's a, a lot of countries there, and um, for example, Isclavia is much like Spain. Um, the Goldorians are much like the France, so um, the, the French, and uh, that way you get a lot of English accents that are inspired by those different languages. You get a lot of uh, words also from those uh, languages in French, in Dutch, and that's how we try to bring all of these cultures in one story without it actually being translated. But it's not that we despise things set in uh, in America. We, we very much love uh, a blockbuster movie uh, as much as we, we love uh, a European uh, mm -hmm. movie sometimes. So uh, it's it's just uh, one way to, um, to handle it when you're doing fantasy, I guess. Uh, question for you, David. And um, when... Uh, you, you have the same voice actors portray the English uh, and Spanish. Uh, was that also a very um, a, a very specific decision that you made for that same reason of I don't want to cast English people for the or, or you know native English speakers for the English roles because I want to keep it like culturally very Spanish in 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 um, in the identity of Dos After You. Uh, first off, it was just because of resources, like um, like all my voice actors are my friends, or even my boyfriend. So mm -hmm. because I'm friends with a lot of actors, and so it was basically um, I most mostly because I wanted Spanish to sound real. Mm -hmm. Spanish don't care the accent, and I didn't mind at all people having accents in English. It's mm -hmm. you know it's like for me it's more important than they. Are like they can speak like Spanish it's their native tongue and then if you whatever the accent you have in English if you can pull this off you're in for second season I'm considering like uh, if I cannot find people I don't have a problem with people like with two actors playing the same character just in one language and in the other but I would really prefer just to have them yeah, like to, to have them both uh, because it also one thing that happened, like the actor who does Seal, uh, Maori, Maurice, um, he's got cast in other podcasts. And it's also a way that I have to 
um, not only my friends, but you know, like these people that uh, cannot have the usual access to other roles and to other podcasts to be listened to in English and also get jobs in English um, and, and on other things. Uh, because, for example, um, uh, Maurice is also Venezuelan. So I, uh, someone was looking for someone uh, who was like a voice actor and I was just like, okay, here's my friend. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, and he knows how to do this. So it's also a way for them to lift them up and be like, uh, you can get jobs here. Awesome. That's cool. Because I, I think it's really awesome that you have these very, this very talented voice cast that can both perform in English and Spanish um, and very, very well. I very much enjoyed those after you when we all get to listen together. Um, for Aline, um, do you often work with more than one or two voice actors? Uh, we did so for The Will of the Woods, uh, which was an audio drama. Um, most of those were um, Flemish actors who could also do a decent uh, English accent. Then for The Beast of the Western Wilds, we had uh, people from, um, from UK, from America, from, uh, from here, and also from uh, Scotland. So we had people from all over the place, which was kind of interesting. And the new story, we're just doing it, the two of us, again. So... Uh, it varies project uh, to project, but it's it's really fun and interesting working with other people uh, and uh, having their take on on the script. Uh, just not not. All Sorry, my Discord crashed. It's just. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to get all those people together and plan uh, the voice <laughs> acting and then edit it uh, and get the lines on time and. So we kind of do it ourselves again, the two of us, because it it, uh, it just it takes more effort to get all of to bring all of these people together in one project. Gotcha. I, I do I do prefer it. It's it's amazing to have other people on a project. And, and uh, Rebecca, you did an open casting call, correct, for um, um, the finale. Um, how did you handle um gathering voice actors for when you first started bringing in additional people into uh the be not afraid universe um i don't know really understand the question oh sorry um when you first started bringing people in um what what, what were you looking for when you you did so you did an open casting call right for the finale did you do open casting at all before that uh yeah i had done that for one episode before uh, where we took in, I think, four different actors. So we'd had an, a casting call up once before. Uh, but this one was more major since it was the last five episodes, so there was a lot of more characters. So we sort of switched format mid-season, because first I did all the voices, but then we noticed, okay, I can't carry this on my own. <laughs> uh, and I wanted, like, there's only so much you can do with one vocal cord. <laughs> um, I wanted it to sound different, basically. So we just wrote it that way from then on. Okay, awesome. And uh, if you do uh, make the decision to go back and or, uh, remaster, revoice, rewrite, whatever you decide to do with the first half of the season, um, is there a casting method you'd prefer to do, or do you already have some voices in mind to replace the... Uh, some of the characters we do have some voices in mind but there are also a couple of them that uh, don't have <laughs> like an actor set to them 
So we'd probably put up a casting call for oh. mastering season one. Awesome. Well, that'd be really cool. Um, of course, if you ever need any help with doing so and with uh, launching uh, Be Not Afraid. Uh, when does the finale, is, is there word on when the finale is going to be all... Uh-huh. All good don't to get... ask me that. Okay, okay. I don't want to pry too much into that. No, no, probably like October, maybe, with the rate we're going right awesome. now. There's a lot of uh, editing going on right now. Well, we'll have to do a big old party then uh, and celebrate um, and celebrate it. Listen through of the whole thing. Yeah. So many talented actors. I actually just had a meeting with one of them, our main actor. So much fun. Is... Um, how long is the series from front to end? Because with Does That For You, it was, I think, just over two hours worth of content uh, with when I chopped off, like, the intros and outros and stitching together. Huh? Uh, like, how, oh, like how, the entire duration of Dose After You from episode one um, to episode um, 21, right? There's three blocks of seven. Yeah, um, was a little over two hours. So we got to sit yeah. down and listen to all in one shot. Um, is is the rest of... I've only listened to the first couple episodes of Be Not Afraid. Is the whole series like digestible in one Most sitting? Most of them are around the 20-minute mark. And there's 12 total episodes? There's going to be 12. Ooh, hmm. Maybe we'll have to do a two-parter it's because... It's, yeah, it's going to be a big... <laughs> I mean, the bare minimum we can do is a big finale party, which we definitely should do to bring yeah. it in. It'd be really exciting. Um, but maybe we could do a, a couple part listening party for, I'd love to do more of that with our shows cause they're super fun. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we can talk more about that at another time then. Yeah. I know who to call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, does anyone have any other, uh, anything else they'd like to say on this topic or do we have anyone in the chat that, um, has any questions? Um, if not, uh, we can go ahead and share around all of our details of what we're doing and uh, bring some attention to what we're excited for next. Um, uh, David, where can we find you? Where can we listen to Dose After You? What should we look out for? You can listen to it on mostly every platform at Dose After You. And then we also have the Instagram. I'm not really moving it, but Twitter, I still use it. So it's uh, Dose After You. Like we, we were really really lucky with that um then myself on twitter i think on twitter i'm now the devoured uh, because i'm trying to not really have much much more of a presence online because i really don't like it um so i mostly just tweet about um work sometimes and capitalism and things like that actually like carol uh, uh, Caroline makes like sometimes I just write something in Spanish and they have sometimes un- like uh, answer the text like they tweet or tweet me back like I you change your profile picture and you change your, your name but I knew it was you because you were talking about capitalism it's like yeah when you talking like, that's your brand <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so um, any any exciting news for anything related to season two I'm trying I'm still right <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know you've been busy with working. Yeah. The, the good thing is that the second, season, the second season is technically set. Like, it's going to, like, timeline-wise, it happens in 2025. So even if I take a lot of time doing it, I'm probably at least going to, like, it It will be out 
at least in 2025. Like, I promise that. <laughs> but I cannot say dates. I cannot say, like, it's a schedule. Actually, when we were doing, like, the listening party, I said that I one thing that I was hindering me is that I wanted to do longer episodes, but I realized I cannot write longer episodes. It's something that doesn't come naturally to me. So I'm going to start writing shorter episodes and acting that way. I'm going to be much faster and we can do things and it can be out in hopefully one year, two years. I don't want it to be. If you do wait to 2025, that just means you're an incredible method acted method writer and everything. And you just really commit to the bit. Um, Well, that's really exciting. I know know you've talked a bit about um, a little bit more about season two. So uh, for all of you watching later or listening in now, you should really check out the listen party, listen along. And um, David does talk about that a little bit uh, more at the end there. Um, Aline, what is going on in the near future? Anything exciting happened recently? What would you like to talk about? Uh, well, um, we are releasing a new story this summer, uh, The Treasure of Boneyard Bay, which will be a prequel to Witch Hunter and also a prequel to uh, The Beast of the Western Wilds. Uh, it will be longer than uh, those stories. It will be about 15 hours. Uh, the novel is about to be um, released to the patrons and then on Amazon. And we expect, like, a couple of weeks later, we will start um, uh, doing the uh, airing the extended edition on Patreon. And then later uh, in episodes, we will, I think, will be 12 episodes uh, on YouTube. Awesome. Uh, what What is the best um, way to listen to it? Would you say YouTube? Is it on the uh, podcast um, players? It's not the best way, I think, uh, YouTube, but it's the it's where we get most of our audience. But we, we're also on Bandcamp. Uh, I think it's on iTunes as well. I'm not sure. Uh, we would like to get it on, on Audible but uh, or Amazon, but that's just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I've put all but, the links yeah. to that in um, in the chat. Um, the YouTube channel and the Patreon are linked there. So please, for all of you watching later and listening, uh, check out Audio Epics um, at those two links. And Rebecca, um, anything you want to talk about with uh, Be Not Afraid? Um, you missed the first little bit of the um, the panel. So if you have anything you'd like to add from your experiences working on Be Not Afraid, it's awesome time to do so. Uh, no, I don't have anything more to add, like, language-wise, except for that I would love to, uh, like, tap that resource more Mm -hmm. with uh, actors and working with writers of different languages, because it is, like, the concept is global, like, the prophets located around Earth in different times, not english speaking that's just how it translates in your head because you understand english <laughs> oh that's very so, cool. like we could technically do it in other languages but the fact that we use english is just because it's the lingua franca or whatever it's called lingua franca i think that's the correct use of that yes lingua franca lingua. that's what most people understand yes lingua... so that's why we're not yeah. doing it in swedish Gotcha. Maybe we should do it uh, in Esperanto from now. All of us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to Esperanto. <laughs> There's probably podcasts or any kind of audio drama in Esperanto. It's really funny. Yeah, because you do understand it. It's quite fun. Esperanto. Is it Esperanto? Esperanto. Yeah, Esperanto. It's like a cre- an artificial language that if you know Romanic, Germanish languages, like you can 
pretty much understand it. Oh, fascinating. I'm going to have to look into this. It sounds like a weird Spanish-Italian language. Yeah, it does. It does. It sounds really Mediterranean. Like, it really sounds Mediterranean. Have you all seen that video by, I believe, an Italian uh, musician that created a song that's supposed to sound like it's English, but it's complete nonsense? Yes. It is. I'm going to link it in chat. Song that sounds like English. It is so funny uh and it hurts my brain because i it's like so close to making sense but it is absolute nonsense so please enjoy that um um so i i had a boss um at my previous job who despite growing up in like tennessee and and illinois like and and um indiana and those areas that are very white he always very closely worked um, with a lot of people that spoke Spanish, they had there's a large Mexican uh, population where he lived, and so he grew up like they made like Spanish fork just so he could study more in high school and things like that. So he spoke very fluent Spanish, despite being a five uh, or a, a six two ginger. Uh, he can pretty much speak and understand fluent Spanish. And we had two employees that worked for us who were both uh, Brazilian and spoke Portuguese, and. I imagine that this sounds to me what Portuguese sound to him because he he would hear it and it would just rack his brain because it's so close to being Spanish, but it's not that he couldn't understand it. it how does how is that for you, David? Are you relatively familiar with Portuguese? Yeah, I mean Portugal is close, I, but I understand a little bit more of Brazilian Portuguese. Like it's more easy for me to understand than oh. Portugal Portuguese. Interesting. Oh, Kitty. Which one is that? He'll purr into the mic. It's Ulf. Ulf. There's a very cute picture of Ulf on the uh, Fasting Nonsense Patreon. And then I just posted a picture, that picture of Elsie, uh, Rebecca, the one where she's scrunching really hard. Smiles. Yeah, she's like, it's so funny. <laughs> well, awesome. This has been a really amazing panel. Rebecca, thank you for so much for being our, our secret uh, pop-in guest. It was, it was nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, thank you for inviting me in. I was just chilling here and then heard my name. I, okay, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> it, it's funny. I had to boost. Um, I had David boosted really high, and I had Discord really loud, and I lowered Aline, and then you came in so loud on my end. So if you saw me jump when you spoke, it, so everyone else will hear it fine because I have a noise limiter set, but that doesn't go to my headphone. That goes into the recording, so the recording's gonna be fine. Uh, it scared me so bad because I didn't see your camera and just. <laughs> Hello, children. So thank you. I, I'm feeling a little. I was feeling a little tired, and I'm very much perked up. So I really appreciate the boost of energy. <laughs> um, thank you all for joining me. We um, have a, a another panel coming up in 15 minutes, and this one is uh, this is the accessing and gatekeeping. Um, and I think I kind of have another topic to talk about in like in in language being. Um, part of the, the maybe an ability to access certain podcasts um, because it seems that there's a lot of pressure to make these podcasts in English because it is so widely spoken. So I think this panel has definitely given me a lot more to think about. I've learned so much this weekend um, from um, panelists um, today and um, throughout the weekend. So uh, thank you all very much. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Tony. You're a great host. I yeah. try. My brain is kind of getting kind of mush. It's day three of this, so I'm like, 
if That's I've been really honestly understandable. <laughs> if like I, I said, you hide it well. Oh, thank you. If I've been rambly, I really do apologize. And you're like, I didn't understand the question. And I'm like, I don't think I understood my question. <laughs> <laughs> uh sabine thank you for being here as well banana you've been here all weekend um yeah it's been really fun and we are we have two more panels left for the day so um go take a break tony oh yeah yeah <laughs> thank you all have a great evening Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.